Hi team, welcome to episode 5 of the Uncomfortable is OK podcast. I'm your host Chris Desmond. Thanks heaps for tuning in this week. Today I'm speaking with an author who goes by the pen name of Nonentity. We initially met at a cool little event in Wellington called the Shameless Soapbox, which is put on by Connect Wellington. It's a great event where a whole lot of interesting people get up, give a short pitch about all the cool stuff that they're doing. So a bit of background about the author. Nonentity was born and raised in the Netherlands, has lived and worked in the United Kingdom, the USA and Australia, and currently lives with her family in New Zealand. So she has an original background in mental and physical healthcare, tropical nursing and midwifery. She's since travelled and worked as a Montessori teacher, home educated her two now adult children, and trained as a hypnotherapist. When her children went to university, she decided to join them and do a degree in philosophy. So all of these experiences contribute to the content of her books, but her true inspiration is derived from the study of human psychology, especially that of Carl Jung and the personality type theories associated with him, which she's devoted herself to for almost 20 years now. So we had this conversation sitting in the hallways of Te Papa Museum, so you'll hear a little bit of background noise and probably some kids having a wee bit of fun as well. If you're liking what you're hearing, make sure you head over to iTunes to subscribe, to rate and to review because it just helps get the episodes out into into more ear holes. Make sure that you share these episodes out with someone who might find them interesting as well. to the welcome to the podcast thanks for taking the time to uh, come and sit down with me today it's cool to cool to have a catch up yeah, it's cool to do this I don't <laughs> I don't normally do this so. no 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 I think if we if we just jump in and start with the question how did you how did you become an author obviously writing a book <laughs> but, um, yeah like what, what led you to that I've been writing my whole life um, yeah kind of have to write because things get in my head and they have to come out somehow Mm -hmm. and I'm an introvert so it has to come out on paper Mm. so it's kind of I've been writing stories since I was probably eight or ten always have been and never really did anything with it never even considered becoming an author Mm -hmm. until about 2006 when I I thought I, I went back to some old stories and they suddenly started getting bigger and becoming actual proper proper books and then I thought okay I'm gonna try and self-publish or I'm not actually mm-hmm. I tried for a sh- very short while I tried publishers but the publishers were all already on their way out in those days and um, if you're in New Zealand and you don't write specifically about New Zealand locations they dismiss it um, and so I very quickly realized that that was not the way to go and so then I went to self-publishing 
and yeah but am i an author it depends on how you define that right i uh, do i make my money with it no absolutely not it cost me a fortune <laughs> yeah um but i do spend my entire day on it so yeah <laughs> excellent and can you tell me a little bit about the the type of books that you write and because i know you've got you've got multiple books yeah, out I've there got a, a variety so i am um, all my writing is, is inspired by the psychological type differences that people are born with. And Jung, Jung first described them, Myers-Briggs made them uh, popular. I've since studied that for like for the last 20 years or something. Mm -hmm. So um, I've got one series of non-fiction books uh, that deal specifically with those type differences. The first one describes, describes the, the types, the different types but not like Myers-Briggs or, or uh, the other websites do so that people have to take a test to find out what they are themselves but I've written it so that people can do it for somebody else like parents for their children because okay. it's no good if you I mean if you're a parent I was I, my kids were young when I first heard about it I wanted to know what type they were and there was no way to to do that so I wrote them a series of uh, uh, one book really but it's four four chapters that allow people to look at others at their children or at their parents why did my parents raise me the way I did if I understand a bit about their personality type I can suddenly maybe feel a little bit less resentment because you know those kind of things at their colleagues as well um, uh, uh, um, one that where, where people look at what kind of job they have and, and why um, why they are in that job and mm. who their boss is or who their employees are and the last one is to look at the themselves or their partner or their friends you know uh, so kind of like a descriptive way of explaining the types and at the same time allowing people to find out what type they are themselves or what somebody they are relatively close to are and then from that I thought well that's nice but now I've just got the descriptions I want to explain the psychology so then I got into explaining the psychology but I'm because nobody wants to read psychology is boring for most people um, I used a musical anal analogy to do that, so I, I, I explain what goes on in people's head but using music as an example in, in okay. many ways. And then the last one which I'm still writing is the philosophy because I believe that if we start accepting that if people are really born with these differences then that has effects on how we deal with them in the society. Because like race or like gender they are not changeable. So mm. we need to change our politics, we need to change our education system. We, it has effects everywhere. Plus philosophy can also explain where these um, differences come from, evolutionary for example. So that's what I'm still writing, putting it in the, in the very, very big con context. Yeah. And for the rest I write fiction books and all those fiction books are inspired by these type differences. So all my characters are true to the, char the personality type they're born with and the, all the clashes and all the conflicts that people have in the books are they, they are a result of these type differences. And that's, I think, why your your type podcast uh, name, you know, struck a chord with me. Because my books make people uncomfortable. And mm. I think that they should make people uncomfortable. I believe that all art, but writing probably in particular, has the potential to initiate social change. You know, and so if, if writers and, and filmmakers had not started portraying homosexuals in movies and books and that was a very uncomfortable p uh, topic for a lot of people but they portrayed them as normal people and you know allowed the reader to get into their mind if we if they hadn't started doing that we'd still throw them in prison so mm. i believe that by 
allowing readers from the, from the safety of their own chair, but still to get into that uncomfortable topic, that you can um, initiate problems. So the characters in my books, there's always a few that do things or say things that our Western society will frown upon. And other characters will, like the society, not be able to cope with that. So the clashes that I then portray in the books are kind of portraying the discomfort the reader might feel. And at the same time, be by making it conscious this way, I can, I can help him deal with it. Because it's, it's, it's the unconsciously uncomfortable feeling that people, yeah, you know, doctors and teachers and parents, um, they don't want to get out of their own uncomfortable thing, so they'll respond to you know problems that kids are having having in the same way that they always have because that's safer, and they do that unconsciously by writing about it and by you know confronting them with characters that that do one thing but allowing them in their head and confronting them with characters who think like them. I'm trying to make that conscious, and then hopefully they're not so afraid of the topic next time. So. I, I think writing has the job of putting people into their uncomfortable zone and then help social issues. And that's, I guess, what I love about your 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 title, your 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 name. That's yeah. just beautiful. Good, good, yeah. And I think it is about uh, exploring those kind of bits around the edges a little bit um, and finding out what. And I completely agree with you that writing should challenge people a little bit and challenge their, their comfortable notion of what the world is like. Yeah. And I think what you're, what you're talking about in terms of your books um, and the characters that you write about as well is that they sound really relatable to people, that everyone's going through a bit of discomfort and going, going through a lot of stuff um, and that they will probably often I find with people they want to feel like they're not out of the normal and I think we get kind of so wrapped up in our own headspace sometimes that we think I'm, I'm terminally unique I'm, and we are to a certain extent but a whole lot of other people are going through all of the same stuff yeah. that we are and I think from from what it sounds like with your writing that you're just bringing that to the fore and yeah. letting people kind of embrace that hey there are other people out there that are like me that yeah. are going through this challenging stuff and that yeah that's that's really cool yeah because our society is is is, is kind of giving ambiguous messages to the people on the one hand they say you know we're all unique and we're all mm. individuals and we all have to be you know it's almost a, a must and at the same time, that makes people, not only does that make people feel alone and, and, and or pressured to be unique and then find out that maybe it doesn't work because there's other people like them, so <laughs> yeah. on both sides. And, and at the same time, if people then be behave like they are unique or different, then um, you know the first thing that gets thrown at them is, oh, you have a personality disorder because people don't like to deal with unique or different. That mm. makes them uncomfortable. It's that us-them thing. So at the same time as saying you have to be different, they're kind of punishing people for it. And <laughs> I'm trying to get that to the foreground as well, but um, you know, people can only accept what they're already open to. So 
And I think there are obviously challenging concepts that you write about in terms of kind of challenging people's beliefs, but probably also quite challenging to, to write about them. In terms of feedback from readers, do they enjoy their ideas being challenged? Um, um, I haven't. I mean, I haven't got masses of readers, so that is that is um, one thing. But I've got a number of times that people, um, especially one of my young adult books, that that um, starts with a a quite um, confronting situation where where between boys and girls. Are Boys goes prank gets out of hand due to hormones, mm-hmm. and so that introduces because it's about war. The book is about war, so that introduces the the kind of the initial standoff between us and them. That that um, what you have in war because the book bu- the book deals with war, but it doesn't actually play in a war. It just deals with the emotions, yeah. kind of like the the children kind of like go through the whole same situations, but then in their school, you know, in a kind of a smaller situation. But anyway, um, so the at the start, these characters are introduced as friendly and happy, and they're going to visit their relatives. And then this thing happens, and then one of the characters turns, you know, bitter and and starts uh, starts challenging her parents, starts challenging everything and things. And so I've had a number of people say, "Oh, I would like to hit her around the head," you know. And then, but that's when they first start reading the book, and then they yeah. go further in, and eventually, I have some adult just had enough and have a smucker smucker which is totally un- not allowed in our society anymore mm-hmm. and then they suddenly go either they go silent or they say well you know this they shouldn't have done that and i'm like you just said you wanted to smack <laughs> them around the head you know there are people who want that too and that do that in the story mm-hmm. and possibly with actually very positive results because there is no good and bad in one way or another behavior everything is in contact but so so yeah, that makes them then uncomfortable. Suddenly they realize that they're contradicting themselves by reacting to the immediacy in the story where they are rather than seeing it on the they've forgotten that they wanted to bust them around the head. Now they are like suddenly, you know. And um I've got another story that is a little bit confronting for adults that is um that actually had um one of the reviewers say that um she says something like it it's it's um Oh gosh, why did I? A terrifying and eye-opening read. And I found that yeah. a beautiful review that's, that was in her review. And I thought, oh, that might get people interested. Yeah. But I don't think so. I th- I th- it was totally silent. People don't like terrifying and eye-opening. <laughs> Is that what you were trying to achieve? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I was really happy seeing she picked that up. Mm. But, um, yeah, no, I think most people like to stay away from terrifying and eye-opening <laughs> or at least you know, and again unconsciously they don't do mm-hmm. that consciously if it was conscious then we could discuss it but most people don't realize that they're stepping back that they're going to going know, back s- to that safe zone and i must admit there are situations of course where you don't want to st- you know you, mm. and it depends i mean i was looking i don't know if you saw the the statue of archie baxter there the, the, the piece actually mm. put up the st- yeah. statue of archie baxter i like those political actions that go against the grain I like that yeah, that they yeah. start stand up for something but I would be reluctant or uncomfortable going into a situation where the police might turn off so I would be reluctant so having said for example things like people should have free speech and, 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 and war and things I would be probably one of the first people to step back when it mm. became a, a, 
a really dangerous situation and think, well, my life is more important to me than, um, you know, any moral views to begin with. I go by mm. my own ethics, not by the moral morality. But yeah, um, so I'm, I mean, if there is a danger involved, then stepping out your conf- comfort zone, maybe, you know, you have to kind of, for every situation is different. And why is telling these challenging stories why is that important to you and why do you think it's important for us as a society well like I said with the homosexuals I think um, social change can only happen once the the general mindset of people changes and I think the general mindset of people won't change until you confront them with something Mm. and then they start you know there's always some people that jump into it right away and they start talking about it and just slowly slowly more and more people get involved and then usually at a certain point one person who's famous or whatever clicks on it and then suddenly the whole masses they all they all follow that new idea then so um yeah I, I believe that we can achieve social change i'm not saying we're gonna achieve permanent peace and i don't think from a psychological point of view that that's possible but i do believe that we should try anyway or at least mm. aim for it and not just say oh well it's never been peace so we might as well just you know not not try I mean that I don't and yeah these topics have always sparked me and therefore I write about them I guess not always healthy sometimes I make myself angry and then I ended up with high blood pressure at one point and I'm like okay now you know I have to pick and choose from from writing about challenging situations or yeah from being in my head with those situations all the time because kind of like jump into the story and kind of um and it made me angry then. Angry if people didn't want to listen. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, from the type psychology, I know that why they don't want to listen. <laughs> but it's still, you know, certain situations make me angry. Being interested in politics is a whole lot le- less peaceful, I believe, than being interested in, uh, I don't know, particle physics. <laughs> mm. That's yeah. more predictable. And <laughs> yeah. There's probably more uh, definitive answers as well in uh, in particle physics than there are in politics. There's a lot of ambiguity. Why did you choose the pen name that you have? Ah. (laughs) Um, I I started with wanting a pen name because I wrote about social issues, because I expressed uh, views that were at that time not accepted. I I wrote that book about war um not too long after 9-11 and i more or less outright in it accused the american president bush of being involved at that point that was not accepted yet i didn't want my family to get in trouble so i didn't know how fast that would go now i realize that you can't keep your pen name separate from yourself anymore not with internet nowadays Mm -hmm. it's it's so easily mixed so um I'm not trying to speak separate anymore, but I do like the name. It also represents symbolically, um, you know, it comes from non-entity and Mm. it kind of represents all the non-entities, all the people that feel alone in the world, that feel like they're not understood, like a lot of the characters are. So, yeah, in that way. The only negative thing about it is that I chose that name when we still lived in Australia. And since I moved to New Zealand, people think it's Maori and it's not. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't realize that in time. No, I can see how that. I can <laughs> see how they would. Uh, they would think that. In terms of the inspiration for your books, how did the ideas come about for them? Something usually something just 
lingers in the back of my mind for a long time, topics that I'm always busy with. Um, I tend to come to a story by having maybe sometimes for years written down little notes or something and they, they collect in a folder and then at one point I sit down and reading through all of them and suddenly the story is there. Okay. But uh, yeah, the topics are always topics of, of social interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, one book I wrote deliberately for um, in 2000, was it 2008 or 2009 that anti bill was coming uh, onto the vote and I had seen the, the negative results of bills like that in America and mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, that's gonna go wrong. So I tried to write a book to deliberately for that purpose to to show people that you know what could happen with things like that mm. um, it was a lot harder to write it deliberately than to let a story grow <laughs> yes but I did get it out in time not that it didn't do any good but um you know yeah that was uh, that was a deliberate choice okay but predominantly it sounds like it's uh, it's reasonably or- organic the process yeah, that you that you go through that these ideas just kind of spark and then all of a sudden grow into a into yeah. a story, yeah. The, the science fiction series, uh, it's actually one book, but in five parts because it was too big. But um, um, that kind of did not have so heavy a, a social topic. Um, uh, it is a social science fiction, but it wasn't so heavy. And and what I did there is I just I just started with a question and kind of like put the characters out into the that world and just went with the flow there. I didn't. Um, plan that at all I just just kind of like um, went back a lot of times when mm. I suddenly clicked oh these two things are related or that makes sense and so I had to change a lot of things but yeah that totally grew the characters led that one totally yeah what are you planning on writing next when I have this philosophy book finished I am not doing any more non-fiction <laughs> too much research and, and references yeah. so I've got a I've got a whole array of, of little stories ideas in my head one one is um one is almost finished has been almost finished for years um that is um a sort of a platonic dialogue set in a in a between four friends that have just turned 40 and kind of reflecting on their life mm-hmm. and and um where they're going on a trip and one of them it's it's uh, one of these people's point of view who he kind of like fin- finds a mentor in that motel and then changes his life around kind of thing um, mostly, yeah, also fairly philosophical, but then in a mm. fictional setting. <laughs> yeah. So kind of asking questions about, hey, what's what's life yeah. actually about? Yeah. Or, yeah. or yeah, finding out, yeah, by, by, yeah. Yeah. And are you kind of exploring what life means to you as well through these stories? I think that both my philosophy book and um, the science fiction book which is like you know one one big story they both basically express my my own personal philosophy on life mm-hmm. and they're both saying the same thing but one in a fictional way and one in a non-fictional way <laughs> so am, am i exploring still what i'm what life means to yeah i mean that i can't stop that that happens all the time mm-hmm. just like with the type the type psychology you know every situation it all kind of falls back into place or i you always see little things and think oh that's new or, yeah but um, my general life philosophy is probably fairly clear in my head by now. I mean, you know, I'm not that young anymore. <laughs> mm. um, doesn't mean it can't change again, but um, yeah. Yeah, and I think yeah, I think you're right with that, in that um, your life philosophy does constantly evolve, 
in kind of incremental changes as yeah. you're as you're learning new new things, as you're prioritizing new things, yep. and uh, yeah, just have you, as you're having life experiences, which yep. is it's pretty interesting and it's pretty cool as well. Um, and I think it would be quite boring if it was just you turned 18 and then you had the same <laughs> static life philosophy for the rest of your life. Um, yeah. Yeah. I know I probably wouldn't be doing this if I uh, if I still had the same life life philosophy I did when I was 18. No, no, exactly. Yeah. 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 Now, if we get into some questions that I ask everybody, uh-huh. can you tell me about a time that you've failed and what you learnt from that? Oh, I mean, there's no doubt, countless times that I failed. Um, um, with my writing, I failed. Um, to to um to to get the process of of um of presenting the books to the public i guess wrong i am all my blurbs are wrong all my um they're too long uh, i i i guess even though i knew about type psychology i i kind of assumed that there would be readers out there that had the same kind of philosophical viewpoint or the same kind of big view so my blurbs are too long they're too complex for most people um I just, I kind of approached them with the question of, you know, a, a metaphorical question which you can't do on a blurb, all those kind of things. What I learned from that is, um, don't take blind dark, uh, advice from others, but also don't stick bluntly with your own idea only. <laughs> um, I got some personal experiences with raising my kids that I think I should have done differently. I won't go into detail about that. that um, yeah, you think, oh gosh, if I'd done that differently, we would have less problems, can't go back. That is sad. <laughs> yeah, I guess it is. But I think, yeah, as we talked about before, you're kind of constantly learning. So what you know now, you probably didn't know 10 years ago when you made those decisions yeah. as well. And hindsight is a wonderful thing yeah. in that regard. There's always that that what if question there that you can you yep. can consistently ask yourself and always come up with a with a different answer. Yeah. But I think if you get too wrapped up in that, then that just leads you down a bit of a rabbit hole exactly. and, and a kind of a, quite a yeah. negative spiral. Yeah. What's the what's the last uncomfortable thing that you did? I guess stepping on that soapbox then a couple of weeks ago, mm. just standing in front of, you know in front of a, an audience in. in talking it's not my comfortable <laughs> yeah. at all it's not something you usually you usually do with no. your books no. no i i i i should do more of it just to to you know get them out there but i'm i'm an introvert i like to be at home and write and not stand in front of an audience <laughs> yeah. and talk yeah. about it um this is a lot more comfortable than standing on uh, in front of, of uh, a whole bunch of people yeah and i guess there's probably an interesting dichotomy with authors that you have this fantastic story that you want to tell and that you do tell but it's actually getting it in front of people to tell it that um i haven't i haven't spoken to many many authors so i'm not sure if that's a a a kind of common trait that they do struggle with i think a lot of them do not all of them. There are authors who are very much extroverts, mm. and so, but they're natural storytellers 
anyway, they don't go out there and tell their story, or they're natural filmmakers. You know, they yeah. they they um, they take their stories into a different medium, or if they write it down, they they're quite happy to to talk about it. But yeah, I do think a lot of writers are introverts, mm. and a lot of writers coming from psychological types um, are not marketing people because they don't like dealing with money. They don't like selling their own product. They don't like going out there. Yeah. Which means that, yeah, a lot of people, a lot of books that make it at the moment make it because they have people who know how to market. Mm. And I guess that's why there's a publishing industry. Yeah, but they're falling apart because they also, A, they're struggling because they can't cope with, they can't compete against the self-publishing industry either mm. and, and against Amazon. But also because... Um, they don't have the money anymore so now they're telling the writers to get their own advertising done and that's now exactly the one thing that the writers cannot do mm, mm. <laughs> so yeah no then they're not making it either they're also going on they're like bookshops like and for a part you know um, in in the past everybody had to go to a publisher like a musician always had to go to a, a studio and then um the studios and the publishers and in whatever other art started telling people what to write or what music mm. to make because that was going to sell. So then the writers or the artists were told what to do rather than coming up with their own story and just getting the help. So the, the market changed around. And I, I'm quite irritated with publishers who tell you what to write about because they don't know that. You know, people are writers because they can see forward. Publishers look backward, they look at market research. Mm. So they don't see what topics should be talked about. They just know what topics will show and therefore rehash the same stories over and over again. So on the one hand, I'm not totally sad that the publishing industry is also suffering because they held writers back for long enough. The problem at the moment is that there's so much out there because everybody can publish anything now. And, you know, an awful lot of it is rubbish. You know, a lot of it is, is just people's personal fantasies put onto paper. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, not even edited or anything. So yeah, I find I find that in my day job actually as a physiotherapist that um, there is just so much information out there, and people often come into you after having consulted uh, Doctor Google, and the in the information that they've received isn't always the uh, most appropriate or yeah. or correct. There is some fantastic information out there, and there's some there are a lot of cool ideas, but. There's also, yeah, a bit of stuff that you probably don't agree with. Yeah. But I think with that, with that, you need to, unfortunately, take the good with the bad. With it, is that I think it'll calm down. I think mm. at the moment we're on this high. Everybody can say anything on the public media, and I think that will calm down again once you know. Yeah. People will find their own niche again, but at the moment it's a bit chaotic. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's early days with the, the whole self-content uh, promotion that the internet has as well um, yeah. that it's very much an exploratory phase that humanity's going through yeah. at the moment yeah. until we until we figure things out and I guess that's the exciting thing actually is that we're there's always going to be something that we need to figure out and that we're going to challenge ourselves yeah. with once we've once we've sorted something out there's always going to be that new challenge there which is interesting and potentially a little bit daunting as well yeah yeah mm. i mean indeed you can you can look back at history and see okay people must have thought about these things in those days too they you know now i can understand why things happen because you see them happening now in a different light 
Yeah, yeah, and I think with watching things happening at the moment, it can be a little bit challenging in that we don't quite have that same perspective that we could look at things in history. Um, I've heard it described as trying to, to look at current trends with perspective is like trying to analyse a billboard when you're standing five centimetres away from it. Yeah. Mm. And and then if you go back to type psychology because I can't help that, um, some people naturally always look at that billboard that's right in front of them. That mm. is their natural way of doing things, and other people naturally always look at the big picture. Mm. And because these are natural things, people people kind of like have trouble um, employing the other mode, and. So then you naturally get people who always kind of take the, the view of the immediate here and now and therefore follow the masses. And you get and that's necessary, in the evolutionary light is necessary. If everybody continuously came up with new ideas and, and there were no masses to, f- to follow the, the few with the ideas, then we would have total chaos because nobody would do anything mm. like everybody else. You would have a total disaster. So from an evolutionary perspective, it's necessary to have the masses and the us and them. But at the same time, that is causing all the problems. So I find I find psychology, or ultimately, fascinating in that respect. You know, because it's it's you know people people are never boring. It never stops. No, no, and I think every question leads to another question. Yeah. That uh, if you think you've got a an answer, then yeah, something else pops s- up. Yeah, something else yeah. comes along. Um, we've gone off on an incredible tangent there which is pretty cool no 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 that's fine Um, but the next question for you is what's the next thing that you're going to do that's going to make you uncomfortable what am I going to do that makes me uncomfortable I am I I keep trying you know to meet people like like doing this and I'll do the soapbox more often Um, I am I'm I would have to visit. I would love to visit my relatives in Holland again, but I absolutely do not like flying at the moment with all this, you know, security stuff on airports and things. Mm. That's the one thing, the big thing that I should do. <laughs> that I have to do. Cool. And if people want to find out more about you and your books online or in person, where can they where can they go to? Check you out and give uh, you my website. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's, it's nonantiti.com or I'll put a I'll put a link to it in, yeah, uh, in the in the notes for the episode. Everything is there. That's the I mean, I write some blogs on WordPress, but also with the same name. So no, everything is there. Okay, um, cool. And it sounds sounds great, and I think um, I think we've covered some interesting stuff today. So. Thank you very Thank you. much for your <laughs> for your time. It's been it's been very cool to to sit down in the uh, in the corridors of Tapapa and have a chat with you. <laughs> yeah.